Welcome to Nye's Notes. I'm Jerry Nye, the Bible Guy, going to continue our series on enemies of the church. This is number four we're going to do today. The first one was false doctrine, then emotionalism, and pragmatism. Today we're talking about worldliness. Worldliness is an enemy of the church. The Bible never uses the term worldliness. The term worldly is only used twice in Titus and in Hebrews. We need to understand that worldliness is and what it's not. Most think that when you use the term worldliness, it often talks about activities that are considered worldly. Worldly to most means what you wear, what you watch, or what you listen to, where you go. According to most, worldliness is synonymous with activities that things that a thing the person does. Many are taught that if you keep yourself from doing certain things, they'll not be guilty of the sin of worldliness. People are leaving the church today because of a set of rules that some churches have defined, have made defining the meaning of worldliness. I remember years ago, my wife and I were missionaries in the West Indies, and I was filling in on a church that didn't have a pastor on Thursday night, and there was a Rastafarian coming, coming, came, coming faithful. And I got to talk to him one evening. He said he used to go to the Seventh-day Adventist church, but when he, they found out that he drank Coca-Cola, he couldn't join the church because he drank Cokes. <laughs> we need to conform our life to what the Bible says and not to a set of rules. To study, to heed, and obey the word of God. In 1 John 2:15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Most important text to understand worldliness, the two key words here in this verse is love and the world. Consider the context of the scripture here. John taught their readers of their standing in Christ, their relationship with Christ, and the ability to, to live a victorious life. We can live a victorious in spite of Satan's attacks. We can live a victorious life. He warns them becoming attached to the world system. The first key word is love. This doesn't mean what you like or dislike is an act of our will, volitional meaning. You choose to exercise certain or well-being of something or someone concerned for them. Not like saying, I love Mexican food or I love football. It's to have a sacrificial care, concern, and agape love. Boy, that's a tough love there. That's love without getting anything back. The second key word is world. From the Greek world, cosmos has several meanings. The earth, the universe, the human race, or even a state of affairs. What determines the exact meaning is the context. For example, here in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the world in that verse refers to people, not the universe. In 1 John 2.15, the world refers to a world system of things on earth. The organized system headed by Satan against God, one that leaves God out and is a rival to him. A system against God and his word. Love not that is what the Bible is saying. He's not talking about people in the world or enjoying things in life. We must not choose to make things in the world that are against the will of God and the word of God a priority in our life. It doesn't mean to separate from those who are not saved or anything in the world. Place your love and your concern, your priorities on things of God, not on things of the world. What did the apostle mean by things of the world? Verse 16. Verse 16 of this text here in 1 John 5. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Look at the lust of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. 
their desire for sinful, sensual pleasure, which is outside the will of God for any believer. But this is not limited to just sexual pleasure for anything, any craving outside the will of God. The lust of the flesh should satisfy the body at any cost. Look at what Paul told Titus, Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now look at the next phrase, the lust of the eyes, desire of the eyes. Lust of the eyes involves covetousness and a strong desire for material possessions. To some people, that's all they're living for, just what they can get, get, get. This comes through inward desires rather than outward actions to desire that which is opposed to the will of God. And then the pride of life, being proud of yourself or your possessions. Look, some pride is okay. It's okay to be proud of your family, your kids, their accomplishments in school, whatever, proud of your country or your church. But boasting about your worth or your accomplishments, that's a different kind of pride. That's the wrong kind of pride. Proverb 26, 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope of a fool than of him. Conceit and pride of life are covetous. Covetous, it all goes together. The person full of conceit thinks he's something when God thinks he's nothing. The summary of verse 16, anything that falls outside the will of God or takes your focus off spiritual things. Hmm? The Christian's concern and priorities must not lie with the world system or temporary things of the world for two reasons. Love for the world is contrary to the, and opposite of the love of God. 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here's another verse, Matthew 6.19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20, but lay up for your, your, ourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and, nor steal. In Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Another verse, James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is enmity is the enemy of God. Why is it so important to lay up spiritual treasures in heaven and not physical treasures of this life on earth here? Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can't serve two masters. You can't love the world at the same time love God. You'll love the one and hate the other, the Bible says. Now, second reason, love not the world, because the world's only temporary. 1 John 2, 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Peter said, look for a new heaven and a new earth. Second Peter 3, verse 13, let me read the verse. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Why love and invest in something that is not going to last? Would you put money in stocks in a company you knew was going to go belly up in six months? Of course not. Now, the effect of worldliness on the church. Two facts. Number one, churches are appealing to the lust of people. Too many churches are giving people what they want instead of what they need. And people are getting what they want and missing what they need, aren't they? They're trying to get people through their doors by conforming to the world system and appealing to them, offering gifts, some kind of incentive to come to church to make a profession of faith. I remember one time we had a large group from the church from the church in the States come to the islands. 
and he he brought a bunch of people with him he had a good message and the pastor said if you'll come and get saved we'll give you a new testament and the altars were full of people not after after the service that night i told him you can't do that there'll be so many false professions of faith when the word got out so we stopped doing it thank the lord people are focused on temporal things rather than eternal so many view the church it's a small part of their lives they're more concerned with athletics, recreation time, social life, all in their comfort zone. And because of this, beside Bible study, devotions, prayer time, church attendance, is not very high on their list of priorities. Let me give you some examples of worldliness. Lot in Second Peter 2. It is never said that Lot engaged in the sinful practice of that city, but he was vexed with him. He tolerated it, never left it. He had no influence against it. He ruined his testimony with his daughters and their husbands. Demas is another one in 2 Timothy 4. He loved the world and stopped his service to the Lord. His worldliness made him ineffective. He left Paul and left God's will. The church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, this church was so worldly-minded that they thought they were just fine. God was ready to spew them out of his mouth. Materially minded, they needed nothing. They said, hey, we got everything we need. God said they were wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, here's some people that rejected worldly philosophies. Abraham, Hebrews 11. He rejected a worldly lifestyle and left his comfort zone to follow God's leading. He had many things. God had made him rich, but riches didn't have him. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have you. Nothing wrong with having a boat as long as the boat doesn't have you, a deer staff, whatever it might be. Job had great wealth and enjoyed his family and possessions. Yet God was his top priority. Still, when all this was taken from him, he just still honored God. The disciples of Jesus Christ, some were wealthy, some were poor. Each of them, not Judas, of course, each of them decided to make their relationship with the Lord their top priority in life. Even if it meant losing possessions, and the status in the world. Peter said, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Here's a remedy for worldliness. Be a true disciple of Christ. All believers have been called to do that. The issue is not with salvation, but service. We can't serve God and mammon, Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, love the other, or else he'll hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We need to think differently. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let me let me read that verse. Let me get those verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed, but transformed. Transformers to be changed from one thing to another. Refuse to take the world as your model of life and your model of your ministry. How can a Christian be transformed? Change your thinking. Renew your mind. Renewed thinking will help you put the world on the back burner. And that's where it needs to be. Get into God's word more. Pray more. Study more. Worldliness is not man-made list of do's and don'ts. It centers around where we put our focus and our priorities. Our priorities. Are they on temporal things or eternal things? Self-centered, freshly thinking can ruin a church. Well, friend, that's the end of my study in this fourth enemy of the church, worldliness. If you like this program, 
push that subscribe button and share it with some other people. Until next time, keep looking up.